Welcome to another episode of Englishman in New York, one of many podcasts underneath the marketing agency umbrella. I'm Nick Cook, co-founder of the Goat Agency, and I'm with Will Hamnett, head of Jungle Creations North America. How are you, Will? I'm good. Um, it's it's a great time to be in New York. Um, everything aside, um, we're very much in the throes of summer, and we're into phase two of the easing of. Um, COVID-related sort of lockdown pandemic measures, which means the outside of my house on the on the streets, it's it's essentially like a sort of European patio with um, lots of restaurants now allowed to open outdoor seating onto not just the pavement, but the roads. And unfortunately, other parts of the US are having to lock down increasingly because they open up too quickly. But I do think New York did things very gradually. And so hopefully we can enjoy this. And it's phase three in a couple of weeks and we should be good. It is indeed. Um, But without further ado, we have a very exciting guest. Uh, We just finished recording. Um, And it is Diane Young, CEO and co-founder of The Drum. Um, And for those of you who don't know what The Drum is, it is the world's leading media marketing publication and magazine, and they do all sorts of other things like award shows. We won't talk about Jungle or Goat winning any awards, Will. There have been a few. Um, <laughs> um, and they create lots of content. They are fantastic at video production, research, live events, etc., etc. But really, we dig into Diane's personal story from growing up, growing up in Glasgow, um, building the business over 25 years, moving to London, eventually moving to uh, the US or building the US business um, and then an office in Singapore as well. Um, and we talk about Ryan Reynolds. So We do indeed. We love a celebrity anecdote and um, Diane certainly dis- didn't disappoint on this occasion uh, with a lovely little anecdote about meeting slash not meeting Ryan Reynolds. We'll leave that as a hook. We'll dangle it there. It's a good reason <laughs> to listen to the episode. Um, so without further ado... Welcome to episode seven of Englishman in New York. I'm serious. Move to a new city. We're moving to New York. Okay, I should probably buy a place in the city first. Are you here for business or pleasure? Hopefully both. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome Diane Young. Hello. How are you? Let's pretend there was no technical hiccup. Yeah, I was, I was great up until we attempted to start this uh, podcast. <laughs> but Nick, the um, thing that everyone at home or anyone that listens to this should know is it was actually you not a guest yeah. this time. So I'd like you to apologise to Diane. I'll take full credit. And to me, actually, for, for, for taking 30 minutes of my time that you didn't have yeah. the liberty. Not like, We're never going to get it back. It's not like we've got a high-powered CEO and co-founder on the pod as well. It's not like her time is very valuable. <laughs> no. Of course not. <laughs> um, Diane, how are you? We had a quick chat the other day um, and you were in your office and I was in my office yesterday, which felt very weird. Yes, but now I'm in my bedroom again. As am I. Back into lockdown. How's lockdown yep. been? How have the last few months been for you? I suppose just like everybody, a bit strange, but it's amazing how quickly you just um, become institutionalised uh, to something something different. So I, at one point when I thought it was all going to end, I felt a little bit sad um to have to go back to the to the bus become a hermit i think basically yeah i'd realized i could just stay stay at home all day yeah and the thing is like who wants to sign up to commuting to work again or any of those different things or the ability to just like halfway through the day just go and lie down on your bed and chill out which i don't know much about the drums offices but i imagine you haven't got not google a sleep pod or anything like that although although you are making an innovation 
centre of excellence we place. are i'd imagine there may be a sleep pod or something there well maybe we should innovations in sleep very very important isn't it for literally washing your brain clean every night so yeah i'm sure there are people working on fascinating things around that that we'd love to have in the drum labs and i'm sure we'd have plenty of um volunteers to have a wee lie down in the middle of the day and call it work 100 <laughs> percent. what are you thinking diane on that subject on um when offices do reopen as a business are you thinking of hiring people remotely now i know at go we're starting to interview people all over the us for us roles in the knowledge we're going to allow people to be flexible but um where do you guys stand on that uh, well probably a bit undecided well open to experimentation is probably uh the best summary i'm myself i'm quite old school i like going to the office i like going into the office and seeing everybody there uh, i like the interaction we get the friendships that are made yeah I, I wouldn't really like the thought of everybody being remote but how you organize a halfway house well remains to be seen as it shifts it's teething troubles isn't it it makes you glad that you're not like a head of ops or anyone like that who has to figure out like the benefit foregone of letting people work from home half, half the week over being there the whole time and the opportunity costs like it's not something I would want to have to deal with and thankfully I don't. But um, before I guess we get on to really exciting things like um, the drum labs and everything that's going on in your life at present, the way and the way I guess we like to kind of structure the pod is we kind of like to start at the very beginning, um, which for you is in Scotland. Um, you're a second Scottish guest. I think we're actually got another one coming up in a couple of weeks as well, Nick. There's like more Scots than English people essentially on our podcast. Well, I have but, um, demanded be- that you change the... Um- you know, change the, the, the title for this episode yeah. to, what was it? Scots Women, <laughs> Scots a Scots Women in, in London. London. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to ask the podfather yeah. um, to see if we can make that that change. Yeah. As you, if you've experienced with him, he is a very difficult human being to deal <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. Um, as you've experienced in the last 30 minutes with a technical issue. Yeah. So I'm going to take a pun at probably not, yeah. but we'll give it a go. You're not, you've not, if we, you've not asked me if I know the other person, since all Scottish people must know every other Scottish person. Do you know Josh Littlejohn MBE? No. Uh, well, are you not related <laughs> to him? Oh. <laughs> uh, but Diane, you grew up in uh, the wonderful city of Glasgow. Um, are you a proud Scot? Is that a very important part of your identity still? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't ever really want to go and live in Scotland again because I love it here in London. But yeah, of course, I'm very proud to be Scottish. And my children even have a funny little Scottish lilt to their weird kind of English accents that they've developed in the last few years since we moved here. So uh, I was quite proud to hear them with their funny little Scottish words thrown in. Will and I were talking the other day about (laughs) living in America, if we did ever have kids here, uh, whether you'd want them to have an American accent or an English accent. And somewhere in between is probably realistic, but... um... Yeah, well, that didn't work that well for Sheena Easton, did it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who's who's Sheena? Who's Sheena? I, oh yeah, my God! I'm you don't know who's she. Blankly, I'm going to be. Well, no, I'm thirty. I'm imagining this is not. She before, sang. Is she time. sang one of the Bond themes, but uh, so she was a uh, she. She won a kind of a talent contest in Scotland or the UK. I, I don't remember which, and it had a hit with a couple of songs, and then um, she had a duet with Prince, and she went to live in LA, and she came back for this big concert in Glasgow Green, the big free concert that was thrown, it was fantastic, and she came on, and she was booed off the stage just about because she spoke in a transatlantic drawl when she was from Bells Hill or something like that, and people in Bells Hill, you know, got... Uh, didn't care for it. They didn't care for it, no, <laughs> nobody cared for it. <laughs> so no, you don't go back to Scotland with a funny accent that you've for kind sure. of put on for other people. 
indeed i have to be careful what i say because um due to the nature of lockdown living um my girlfriend is actually still tucked up in my bed in my studio which is just behind me so <laughs> she's Amer- she's american as well and um we shouldn't really talk uh much further about whether i'd want our kids if we have um <laughs> <laughs> to have uh, an American draw or not. I can feel myself sweating talking about it. So um, maybe let's just move on to what it was like growing up in, in Glasgow. Were you uh, like an inner city kid? Um, no, there's no there's no big backstory there, I'm afraid. I wish I could give you some fantastic Cinderella <laughs> thing, but I, I can't. I had a lovely <laughs> right, family. Rags to riches. Uh, and a nice childhood, sorry. <laughs> and and you went to university. I, I was doing some digging on your uh, Twitter throughout the week trying to put I haven't pulled up any tweets that you tweeted out sort of five years ago that I'm gonna are kind of um, scary I can, I can see your face now being like shit yeah shit what, what's what's he about to pull out but um did you go to uni and study math I did indeed did you spot my twitter handle I did indeed it was st- st- something to st- symmetrical 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 yeah. so uh, yeah. I, I joined twitter at the same time as the incredibles came out and I was inspired by elastigal um, but I, she she could stretch to any limits just about. But um, I quite like symmetry, so I decided I would be symmetrical. You, you say now you never want to go back and live in Scotland. Did you always want to leave Scotland? Was moving to the big city of London always a name? Never. No, it was very sudden, really. Uh, I thought I would always live in Scotland. We did um, a kind of grand designs on, a, on an old house, a 250-year-old cottage we bought, and we built a grand design in the back. And I said, oh, I love this so much. I'm, the only way I'm going out of here is feet first. And uh, within <laughs> about two years, we're living in London. So, uh, And we actually left at a week's notice. We just, uh, wow. we'd bought a flat, um, to, you know, as an investment uh, to rent to the company. And then we could stay there and all the staff that were going up and down to London could stay there. And um, we came to sort of finish some of the furnishing off. It was, you know, like a service department. And I was just standing in the balcony. It was sunny, glass of wine, looking out in the Thames. I just said to Gordon, my husband, I said, I don't, I don't want to go home. And he said, what do you think then? I said, well, why don't we just move, move into this flat? So we did. And we didn't even bring any furniture. We just packed some suitcases and some teddy bears for the kids and locked the door in our old house and flew and drove to London and that was that within a week we'd moved house wow. so it was quite an adventure That's really exciting and exciting to go somewhere and have that feeling of belonging immediately and sort of a fresh yeah. start um yeah I'm really interested in discussing that that um the the formative years of the drum because I know um your TED talk is how to become an overnight success over a 25 year period um <laughs> So it's been quite the journey and quite unusual in that you um, you started working at the drum and then met your now husband there. Is that right? Uh, no, um, I finished university and just as I was graduating, I met Gordon uh, through a friend of a friend and um, we were going out and eventually we got married after two or three years. And then he said, after a couple of more years, he said, you should come and work at the drum. Uh, and so I did. And uh Within and I joined to do events. I started doing one one lunch event and one awards show, um, and that then grew into our, um, what's now an international events business. Um, but after a couple of years, I became MD. I think it was twenty eight or something like that, which was a bit of a joke because I, before I worked at the drum, I'd worked in the health service, so I'd literally never had worked really in a commercial company apart from you know as a temp or a cashier or something like that. Um, so I was a very very bad MD. Um, and spent 
12 years probably, you know, just wasting time by not figuring out that you have to actually learn something like that. Um, and that there are other people who actually know how to do it properly and maybe you should, you know, uh, get in touch with some of the information and those those people that are going to help you. So we wasted a lot of time in a way where we didn't really have a strategy or a plan apart from survival. Um, you know, we tried things to grow the business, but there wasn't really, you know, there wasn't really a, a big goal or a, a pathway that we had kind of worked out. And in the early stages, it wasn't just the drum uh, marketing publication you guys also uh, in the early stages had an architectural yeah, magazine we did, we did this weird thing where we had been going along with one magazine for ages and then within the space of about six months we, we went from one to four uh, so we launched one we bought one and um, we kind of I guess borrowed one which we then later uh, was was given to us that was the architectural one so yeah we did we we um we tried to, we knew we had an issue that we were working in a small market and if anything happened to that market, then we would, we would be in deep trouble. And so we tried to diversify across different markets. Um, but actually what we found was two things. One, it's very difficult to specialise at a company or size anyway, very difficult to specialise in all these different areas. And secondly, we didn't like any of them as much as we liked marketing and media. So um, eventually when we kind of saw the light and I started to get my act together a bit as you know, a leader of the business, we decided to divest ourselves of the other titles. Um, well, one had shut, actually. Ironically, it was a magazine about entrepreneurship. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and just, it was just a case Love study it. in how sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, uh, so so we, we got rid of those other magazines and we focused on the drum and we decided we would expand it geographically and that's pretty much uh, quite soon after that, we, that's when we moved to London. So it took us about 25 years to get from Glasgow to London uh, and then within uh, two years we were in New York and then within another year we were in Singapore. Oh, so right. I'm waiting for the smart Alec joke, which is, didn't you know, you can get a, a plane from Glasgow <laughs> to London and it only takes an hour, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> which I have had. <laughs> put to me before but uh, we, we, we kind of gathered momentum I suppose and it was transformational wow. transformational to the business uh, that moved to London and why did you why did you double down on marketing and media why was that the area that you saw most potential in it's just fascinating isn't it it's it's the best sector to work in I don't I mean the other ones were you know sort of entrepreneurial business which is interesting uh, architecture which we you know to this day we still love you know looking at how people meet places as opposed to buildings uh, and the other one was actually a north of england version of the drum so we we forayed into a couple of other areas but really marketing is fascinating it's all around us it impacts everybody's lives everybody can talk about their favorite ad or their you know their favorite designs and so on and we just wanted to be part of that i heard or a little birdie tells me actually it's your ted talk that actually the reason why is because you thought you were going to play a lot of tennis <laughs> oh no that was um no, that was actually, I was working in the health service and Gordon had said, why don't you join the business? Which was a really nice offer, apart from the fact that uh, he and his then business partner said, oh, but we haven't got any money to pay you. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll ask if I can go half time in my health service job and I'll work there in the morning and then I'll come to the drum in the afternoon and we'll see what happens. And if after six months I don't like it that's fine I can go and just play tennis in the afternoons <laughs> it will be great uh, so I halved my salary and worked for the drum for nothing for about six months at which point it was clear there might be something that I could contribute so I did sort of say look could you 
at least replace my half salary <laughs> uh, and, and then I can leave and come full time. So, um, so yeah, that, that was a tennis reference. I thought it doesn't work out. I'll just, I'll only be half time anyway. It'll be great. <laughs> Very little tennis, I think famously in our industry. Um, I don't think I've played tennis with anyone. A bit more, go- like a bit of golf occasionally, yeah. but it's not as fun as I certainly thought it was going to be when I decided to make the the move like seven years ago into this industry, I thought it would be all yachts and golf. And I'm yet to go on a yacht, even when I've got to Cannes, I've very much been about four miles away from all the action. Oh. And uh, golf, golf-wise, it's only ever been with people like Nick from Are you Go. trying to get yourself an invite to the drum yacht in Cannes? 100%. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Diane, I'm fascinated by, you became MD at the age of 29. Is that right, Rich? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Is, is very young. And you're very open about the, the stresses and the tumultuous times uh, of growing the drum over that 25-year period, which I think is, is very um, sort of refreshing, especially given that you are sort of at the pinnacle of this industry and kind of representing a lot of the other agencies and, and brands and young founders who are going through both tough and good times. Um, and then you, you talk very openly about how you were not very open to self-development and educating yourself and reading books and just kind of assume that you would be a great MD and a great CEO. Um, and you kind of realized that maybe you weren't doing the right things and then you kind of opened yourself up to it. Is that right? And what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that's all correct, apart from the bit where I assumed I would be a great CEO. I don't think I even really thought about it like that. I didn't even think actually part of my role is to be really good at leading this company. Mm. I just was you know, making sure the management accounts were produced and doing the business planning and, you know, trying to make sure all the relevant roles were filled and so on. But I never really, I never really thought about it properly as, as a job. I, d- I don't know why I didn't think, right, I've got this job that I don't really have any qualifications for. I'd better work on getting qualified somehow. Um, I was just too naive, I suppose, to, to even realise I, th- I think one of the big strengths that you you can develop is the ability to know when you don't know something. And I don't think I developed that ability at that point. I just didn't twig that I should be doing something about it. Um, but I did eventually uh, before it was too late. I suppose I did learn a lot. I picked up things. But I think the development of the business really started to happen after I made a big effort to educate myself and try and become a better a better leader. How did you do that? Well, I I, um, I got involved with a few different things, um, courses. Um, I joined a mastermind group. I read that brilliant book, Think and Grow Rich, which is fantastic. Um, and that made me realise that actually there's a whole mindset that I should have that I didn't I didn't really have. Um, and I started to make sure I linked up with other people with experience. I found sort of business friends, I suppose. Uh, the, the way to put it, people that I could phone up and just talk to as if they weren't my client or my supplier or, you know, someone I'd met at a conference or something, but who, who I could really have a proper chat with. And, um, you know, where the various people really kept me going at times when, you know, things were really, really difficult. So, so I did a variety of things and I did, I read a lot of books. Yeah, I still do. I'm reading, in fact, I'm reading a book over my lunch today, a really good one, reading it for the second time called... Um, Atomic Habits, which is a really good book for trying to change your behaviours. 
So you now, as a, a result, result of that kind of um, complete 180 in terms of your mindset about how you become a successful person, are you now um, doing mentoring for other people and offering your advice and support? I, I do. I do. If anyone approaches me, I maybe shouldn't say this in a podcast with thousands of people <laughs> listening, potentially. <laughs> if anyone approaches me, I always try and you know, find half an hour, an hour for them um, to have a chat. And also you must get so many... Uh, press releases, inquiries from different people from brands and agencies trying to get the drum to cover them or write about them that you, I assume, have to reject 99.9% of those. And so offering a bit of your time is something you can actually give back. Yeah, I mean, I cannot, let me say for the record, I cannot get anything published in the drum <laughs> for anyone. I'm not the editor. Um, so don't, do not email me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I think it's really important to give you know, to give back if you can. So I'm invo- involved in something called Founders for Schools, which also does something called Maths for Girls, um, which I think is really important. Uh, you know, for I think it's really important that kids get to see business people when they're at school, because when I was there, careers advice was if you're going to be a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer, you know, um, the, the, nobody talked about business as a career where I, where I came from. And so I think that's really important. And I also would love to see more girls doing science because they've got so much to contribute and there's a mentality that maybe they don't belong in science, but they do. So let's talk a little bit more about the drum and I guess the present and um, that massive acceleration from what sounded like, I guess, 25 years of toil and a lot of hard work to a rapid acceleration um, over the two years from when you moved to London, um, set up an office there and then ended up in places like New York and, and Singapore. Um, how was, how was all of that? And I guess uh, particularly the thing I'm most interested in is what do you think of America and how have you found your experience in, in America really? I mean, I've always loved America. I suppose it's growing up with, you know, all the TV programs, you know, we're American that were cool. Um, my parents actually lived in Canada for a while and, and, uh, for a brief time in Houston. So, um, even though I didn't go to North America till I was 18, um, I felt as if, you know, all their pictures, all their slides as they were from, from their time in the, in the uh, 50s and 60s in America seemed like part of my, my DNA, I suppose. So, yeah, I feel quite at home there. Um, and I enjoy, you know, I just enjoy the, everything's big. I mean, I know it's such a cliche, but everything <laughs> is, is big in America. Um, obviously, there's some things about the UK that are completely unique. Uh, and, you know, we can bring a lot to the world. But equally, America has has a lot to offer. And I think a lot of, I mean, the size of the market in terms of marketing and advertising is just enormous. You know, I think the state of, um, I think the state of Texas has um, a higher GDP than Scotland, for instance. Wow. Wow. Yes. So that kind of puts it in perspective. How was the... um... How was the drum perceived in the US market when you first entered the market? And what was your kind of tactic there? Because I know when we, I came over here two years ago to set up the Go US office, and I was kind of toiling with positioning us as this amazing British agency doing great innovative things. And, uh, you know, we're new to the US and we're doing these main things, and maybe you want to speak to us because of that, uh, versus, you know, we're a globally leading agency with 100 people. Don't ask about where they are. They're all in the UK. Um, or they were two years ago. Um, how did you guys get about that? Well, we started uh, going to 
events like Advertising Week New York and South by Southwest. And so we would stop in New York on the way over uh, to the West Coast. And eventually people in these meetings, which were just sort of on the way to an event we were going to cover, we were saying, look, why are you guys not here? We, we read your website. We love your stuff. Why aren't you here in America? And we started to think, oh, uh, well, uh, that's quite a good question. And when we looked at our web stats, we realised that we had quite a significant readership in America. And uh, so it came quite organically, really. And then we started by with a couple of reporters and then we added on a commercial person and then we added on some events and just kind of grew organically. But we've been made to feel extremely welcome. I have to say, you know, people, we're outsiders anyway. You know, we're not from a big city that's famous for, you know, advertising. We're from Glasgow. And so we've got our own personality and we, we, we're not really tribal in that way. So I think that's made it easier for us. And, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody you meet in America has got a Scottish grandmother or something, you know, so, um, so, uh, so people are very welcoming and it's an I've, advantage to be Scottish rather than to be from London, I think. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say it's a, an interesting topic that Nick and I often dwell on and with any other English expats, um, especially when we speak to people from home who we've kind of left behind, I guess, for the last couple of years, in that everyone thinks because they um, have this kind of ideal, idealism around moving to America and there's uh, pop cultural references around people like Hugh Grant being like quite f foppy, handsome, charming. I can speak to, to Nick in that, maybe not myself um, as being one of those people um who's very similar to Hugh Grant but um yeah people have this assumption that actually being English and intrinsically English and being a London in New York is a, a massive advantage and actually my personal experience doing a similar sort of thing to, to Nick bringing a uh, a media company over here and trying to position us as this amazing innovative uh, UK business that's based in in London that's doing some really cool stuff and could do stuff in in uh, cool stuff in America too has hasn't been the successful approach to to take whatsoever um and it's interesting that you say that actually being Scottish has had a lot more weight and has has been a quite an interesting experience my main question around it which isn't a particularly enlightening or interesting one is do they understand what you're saying the whole time being Scottish uh, and having quite thick Scottish action because I think as Brit some British people, some English people rather, sorry, really struggle picking up yeah. Scottish accents or understanding what people okay, are in the regions have, of the UK. I have to take issue with the thick, bro the thick Scottish <laughs> accent. <laughs> people in Scotland think I'm English. <laughs> um, I don't have any trouble being understood, but um, my husband Gordon, who's our editor-in-chief, he uh, speaks fast. I mean, I can understand every word he says. I don't understand it at all. But um, we spend all your time with him. So I do, I do. Um, but sometimes in America, uh, you know, he has trouble making himself understood. He tried to he tried to order a cranberry juice in uh, somewhere in Atlanta, and uh, they just couldn't understand what he was saying. So I eventually <laughs> went cranberry, and they went, "All oh, right, yeah. okay." <laughs> I've always found if you do it in an American accent, they eventually yeah. twig it. Water is the, the big one. The first five water. times. Water. And then water. Yeah. Water. Yeah. Water. Um, well, let's not go down that route, because everybody's accent is special. And they should be celebrated for it. Yes. And I wasn't saying it was good or bad. I wasn't going to piss <laughs> off any Scots <laughs> or anything like that. Um, in, in, in t going back to in, in, in terms of this um, global expansion and, and New York and also Singapore, um, the way I guess Nick and I have approached things, our businesses, is to move um, 
people from the UK over to America. Was your your approach, it sounds like maybe it was to hire natives in market yeah. who already had a bit of a Rolodex of contacts and already knew a bit about the makeup of the market. Is, is that fair to say? And that was, was that the same approach you took in Singapore? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, no, there, was, there were different actually. So in America, we hired local people first and then eventually some of our team from the UK had sort of said they would like to go for a stint in America or to maybe move there. Uh, and so we did export some people over there as well. Uh, whereas in Singapore, um, the reason we opened quickly was because somebody had come to us and said, I would quite like to go to Singapore. Are you thinking about you know, opening up there? And we said, well, as it so happens, we are. And so uh, we actually started out with somebody from London going out there. I remember my experience of the drum predominantly in the US is um, I'd just arrived two years ago and I think it was advertising week and I was sort of longing for some sort of British reference and uh, (laughs) I've been to the drum (laughs) arms. So you guys are famous for putting on these big pub events and there was a drum arms event at advertising week. And I went along and it was just full of the great and the good of media, uh, British people in media, really, in New York. And I remember having a great time and meeting lots of your team, actually, who'd either come over for that week or, or had moved over. And I remember it was a mixture of Americans and, and Brits. Yeah. Where did you come up with the drum arms idea? And has that been a massive success? I think it, it's great because it just removes all the sort of, you know, poncy seriousness around business in general. Yeah, well, it started off actually as a taxi. So we interviewed people in a London cab uh, driving around London uh, during Advertising Week Europe. Uh, And then that developed into a a Routemaster double-decker bus with a bar on the ground floor. Uh, And we did that for two years. So we would do events sitting on this bus, trundling about. It's probably not very environmentally friendly. I don't think we'd do that now. Um, And then it became you know, why don't we actually just get a pub? Because basically what we've got here is a, is a pub on wheels. So we, that's how it started. Uh, so, the, so the taxi became a bus, became the drum arms. And what have you done since? Obviously, um, I'm loath to talk about it, but we are now in month four of a global pandemic. Um, what has changed, I guess, for the drum this year? I mean, obviously no shit will um you haven't been able to put on things like the drum arms and it's really affected what has i guess is a a key pillar of revenue for the entirety of the drums business internationally which is events yeah so we we did um we were lucky because we had a bit of early warning because we were staging an event in singapore in february and it was all organized we were a week or even less away and it had to be cancelled and it made us think well there's a chance that all our events are going to be cancelled so we were waiting and assessing all the time. So we were lucky, we, we got out of all our um, event um, sort of costs really early on. And it gave us the opportunity to uh, actually mount a six week festival online, uh, which we did from the end of March, which is when Advertising Europe would have been. Uh, so we, we turned that around really quickly. Uh, our team were amazing. Uh, the developers built a platform. Uh, the event crews sort of from going to went from going in venues and things to working online really quickly and the content team did a good job too so uh, we did that and then we've done the can do festival which is on well it's on at the moment uh, it's in june and we've got two or three more uh, virtual festivals planned before the end of the year but i don't think that um oh, and also sorry we do a lot of awards as well which would traditionally be a room full of people eating dinner and all dressed up mm. uh, and we're doing those online now 
Do you get your food sent to you? No, no rubber chicken. Eats, no, no rubber chicken in the post, no. <laughs> probably won't attend then this year. Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, so we, we, don't, um, we don't plan to do any uh, physical events like conferences or award shows this year and maybe, maybe never in that format that we would have done before. But what we have done is that we've taken over this building in Shoreditch um, and we're going to make it into an innovation centre. And what that's actually got is um, three storeys, well, plus a basement, a kind of bunker, I suppose, three storeys and a terrace uh, where we can do events in our own space, which we've got complete control over. Um, so it means we can put on all sorts of different formats of events for awards. So I think we might um, you know, do some sort of live event award presentation, but it'd be more like a TV studio type setup, but, but casual. Um, and, and our view of events going forward uh, is that we will have small events that will they'll be much more bespoke. So rather than people come to our big events, they'll come to our space and work with us and other clients putting on their own um, bespoke things. So um, we're really, really excited about that. We've got rooms that hold from, you know, like 12 people around a, around a table um, to maybe 150 people for wow. a stand-up or theatre style event super exciting when's the completion of the project uh i think well we're aiming for the end of july uh, to be open in some form so we're not doing the whole building at once uh, because we're keen to uh, to get some of it open the, the ground floor is going to have a coffee shop of the future with all different ways of ordering your coffee and different things that you can play with in there while you're while you're uh, drinking and also retail experience of the future as well so you'll be able to see all sorts of tech that you might see in shops in the future uh, and, and an event space and we also we already have a studio set up in the top floor so we've got enough of it done to um, actually start staging things probably at the end of July which will be exciting and then we'll just gradually work our way through we're going to uh, put in a, a bar of the future as well which you know we're, we aren't getting completely away from the drum arms <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm intrigued at what all of this of the future stuff means. I guess the, sh the, the shop will be an Amazon type thing where you can walk in and it'll scan items and things. Yeah, so you might um, order your coffee just by looking, you know, oh, looking wow. at the screen in the bar. That futuristic. You know. Yeah, and as you as you walk up, you know, there's a like an e-board outside, you know, the traditional uh, chalkboards that you get outside coffee shops. So it'll be, you know, um, electronic connected. So as you approach, if you're, you know, already subscribed to the service, it'll know you're coming. Wow. Order your coffee for you, give you a special message maybe. But the retail stuff, you know, there's all sorts of things like, um, you know, being able to try on clothes without trying them on, which is, you know, something that's probably of a great deal of interest to fa the fashion sector at the moment because, well, I don't know about you, but I don't buy clothes unless I can try them on. Well, they now at the moment, at the moment, you're not allowed to try them on. So my girlfriend just bought some um, Ray-Bans, and on the Ray-Ban site, you can click on the pair, and then it scans your head and shows the glasses in different sizes on your face, which I thought was very cool. Yeah, it's all AR now, yeah. Nick. It's yeah. all augmented <laughs> reality, isn't it? And ASOS, ASOS, I think, have this um, within the app, um, this AR filter i i'm so such a luddite um which is embarrassingly apparent right now but um i think you you can simply just like put someone within the aperture of your camera on your phone and like flick clothes onto them pretty much to try and close which is madness yeah and hopefully helpful for the um 
the fashion industry because ASOS and businesses like that historically suffer because people order a shit ton of clothes and they have like a 60% returns rate. Just terrible for the environment as well. Yeah. Terrible for the environment, terrible for them as businesses. Um, Yeah, it's a bit of a shit show. Diane, interestingly, so editorially, I think the the drum, this really um, fits in, I guess, with the editorial direction of where the drum has gone in recent years, which is massively to focus as you, in your own words actually as you told us away from news in the industry and to focus on tech and research and data and analysis um this seems like a really logical progression from how the editorial direction um of the drum as a magazine has changed yeah definitely it definitely is changing and we're we're making a a, a very specific decision to move away from news and to start really focusing 100% on how can we help people to solve their problems? And, you know, a lot of brands, a lot of sectors have a lot of problems at the moment. Um, and, and they had problems before, you know, the begin- beginning of 2020. So they're mm. probably multiplied now. So uh, we want to really help people to find out the information that they need to find out and to somehow, um, you know, find their, find their way to the right things for them. And also to bring together unexpected bits of information for them that they might not think of would be relevant. So, so that, for instance, we we recently did a religion issue in the magazine. Um, I said, what, what's a marketing magazine doing with a religion issue? Well, it was looking at, you know, how, how we talk to different um, people with different beliefs and how that matters to the, the way that your message comes across, the way it's received uh, and, and what action people take as a result. So we had all sorts of articles um, around that and also around how religion is is successfully marketing itself you know many of the traditional religions are you know finding it very difficult uh, to to stay alive i suppose and yet there are religions which are you know growing rapidly and a lot of that's through really clever marketing use of social media so those are the sorts of articles that we were covering so i don't think anyone in marketing would necessarily have sought that out but we felt that there was really interesting uh, lessons to learn and experience to share, you know, just from looking at that particular topic. Um, you've had some really interesting guest editors over the years, um, like Will I Am, Kim Kardashian, and even oh, Ryan Reynolds. You're going to say it, aren't you? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, Ryan no, 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 no. Actually, we haven't had any of those as guest editors. Have I you wish not? we had. No, they were just interviewees. I'm oh, sorry interviewees. to disappoint you. Yeah, oh. yeah. No, we have had guest editors, but not them. So let, let's talk okay. Ryan Reynolds then. But let's talk about Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, let's though. just talk about Ryan Reynolds. That was my, oh, like, meant I've... to be a seamless segue. Great entrepreneur, yeah. right, great marketer. Okay. Yes, that's what I admire the most about him. So you're, you're, a, fan, you're a fan of his acting <laughs> and someone at the drum interviewed him and you, being yes. the CEO, didn't, didn't get the gig. Well, blindsided. Raging. Yeah, blindsided. it was my idea. I was like, look at all the stuff Ryan Reynolds is doing. He's so funny. Uh, he's so famous. He's doing something completely unexpected for a Hollywood actor. He's quite hot. That was a little bit of an influence as well, if I'm allowed to say that in public. Uh, why don't we interview him for the magazine? I'll go over to New York and do it. <laughs> and the next thing I know, one of the reporters has posted an article. I'm like, oh, what happened there? So if that happened in my life, I don't think they'd be any longer with the business. Yeah, where is this? Because <laughs> you only get one shot. No, but you only get shot, one shot something like that, Nick. 
at, at meeting <laughs> someone I, I like that. I get no shot at Ryan Reynolds. Well, here we go. I mean, it's pretty severe, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, I'm going to set myself a, a task, a goal for my bucket list. That, And, and I tell you what, their, their interview was over the telephone. When I meet Ryan Reynolds, it's going to be face-to-face. It's going to be face-to-face. Maybe he should be the guest editor. He's presenting an award. Oh, that's what I want. Oh, yeah. to give an award. Ryan, Ryan, if you're listening, if you're listening, <laughs> Ryan, we would love you to be a guest editor of The Drum and you can talk about your gin all you want. Diane, this is um, how we're going to bring it. Yes, do come on in. Josh Littlejohn, our previous Scottish guest, <laughs> managed to convince yes. Bill Clinton to come and present an award at his awards in Scotland which means I maybe, maybe yes. we can dig into whatever magic he's working with. Yeah, and yes. and famously, not just political figures were, were on kind of in his, involved in his life and his, um, his ventures. He had Leonardo DiCaprio visit the Social Bike Cafe, um, mm-hmm. Harry and Meghan Markle. George Clooney. Head George Clooney. Um, so maybe we should connect you to and see if he can mentor you. <laughs> I feel like we need a charity angle. That's really what did it. We need a charity angle. Yeah, there needs to be something philanthropic. Maybe if you donate all the proceeds of the on-site display revenue for that particular issue over that month to charity, <laughs> then we'll be in a situation where, you know. He can't say no. He'd be happy to, he'll be happy to make the connection. You never know. I feel really sad for you about Ryan Reynolds. I uh, yeah, I'd be I know. Um, I'd be really gutted. Well, you know, where there's life, there's hope. <laughs> the more, the one that I'm um, very jealous of is Cheryl Sandberg. Did she ah. was she an editor or was she just interviewed? Ah, she no, she she guest edited an issue for that we had at Cannes a couple of years ago. Incredible. Were, yeah. you, were you anywhere near that one or? No, no, I'm afraid <laughs> not. No, I don't. I I'm I'm back at the office doing all the grunt work. That's that's the reality you're, of you're, it. You are on the yacht, though, in Cannes. Surely you're on the yacht I've in got, I've, I have never been to Cannes. What? Uh, I've been to Cannes on holiday, but I've never been to the Cannes Advertising Festival. But we're so similar. Neither of us have been on a yacht. Yeah. Oh, no, well, this. I'm really, really sorry, Will, but we've actually got a yacht. Sorry. <laughs> so it's you... not a glamorous yacht. It's not like a, if it was parked in the marina at Cannes, it would just be run over like a piece of driftwood by, by the yachts there. People would think it was a fishing boat. Exactly, yes. <laughs> but but it is officially a, it's a sailing boat, so I suppose it's a yacht. You've built like this. Um, you've built a, a very successful B two B business, which in my mind would mean that you would be very good at networking, and that would be something that was a critical part of you developing that network and, and building the audience. Are you a great networker, or do you ha- prefer to leave that to people in the team? Uh, no, I see that as a big part of my job, mm-hmm. actually the front facing uh, part of the business, a face of the business. And I really enjoy networking. Uh, I, I enjoy meeting people. I'm really curious about what what they've done and what they're going to do and how it all fits with things that I, that I see in the market that, you know, need fixed. And uh, so, no, I really enjoy it with the one caveat that I really, really wish I was better at remembering faces and names. Um, I, do, I do find that really, really difficult. Um, maybe I should somehow work out how to do that. But maybe um, there's a book for it. There possibly, there more than certainly will. Certainly be. is. There's, there's a book for everything. Yeah, yeah. Diane, I can't wait. In two years, yeah. Will and I will be walking in confidently into the drum arms in New York Advertising Week, thinking we know the CEO, and you'll look at us, <laughs> and you'll have forgotten exactly who we are. <laughs> yeah, but I'll be, yeah, I might, I might not remember you, but I'm quite good at covering up. 
<laughs> okay, I'm quite so good at, yeah. I have I have my I have my tactics for covering up the fact that I don't remember you. <laughs> Will and Nick. Oh yeah. yeah. I can I can see it now. Yeah, don't ask I'm me excited. don't well, ask me what they are because then you'll spot me doing it. I'm not giving it away. The tells. Yeah. 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 We, we shan't your poker face. <laughs> um I think we're about at time. Yeah. Nick. Mainly Nick because of your technical issues prior to the call. I'd love to keep speaking, but mm. we we're almost at the hour mark. So apologize, Nick, to everyone that's listening. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation is what I will say. <laughs> Diane, thank you. You don't have to apologize to me. No, no. It's not as if any of us are immune to tech problems, you know. Exactly. We'll, all, we'll blame the podcast. <laughs> he who is without sin can throw the first stone and all that. I'm no, I'm, I'm never complaining about I'm that. I'm with you. Good to know you're on my side, Diane. That, that's for yes, sure. Yes, I am. Um, don't be so horrible, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Not look, looking forward to that pint at the uh, the Drum Arms because I know who you'll be cheersing first and enjoying the company of more. Um, we well, I've see. enjoyed your company. We had a we had a really good prep good. call the other day. That was really good fun, and it's been good to chat today. I don't think, did we actually cover anything that we talked about in the prep call though? We, yeah, tennis. Yeah, <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Apart from that, everything has been an utter surprise in the last day. Uh, 50 minutes so uh, thanks for that it's been free flying <laughs> <laughs> but no it was an absolute pleasure yeah it's been a pleasure thanks Diane for coming on thank you Will thank you listeners and we will see you guys next week I'm serious move to a new city we're moving to New York I, I should probably buy a place in the city first you're here for business or pleasure hopefully both thanks Diane that was great oh. Right, laugh. Hang on, hang on a wee second. Let me just stop this recording.